I know where I come from. See, this is why the longer I go, the more I realize I'm not in the business of trying to convince anybody about what God is doing in my life because they were not there when I had to struggle and go through the test I had to endure. You don't just get a microphone and get on a platform and call yourself no preacher. It is what you have to endure in your life, the suffering in your life that reveals the purpose in you. And I know I'm talking to somebody in this room uh, that the reason you are like you are, the reason you can stand on your own two feet and praise God in spite of how anybody in the room looks, uh, is because you know where God uh, has brought you out of. Awesome. Welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I am your host, Cody Kelly. Look, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate my audience and nobody else appreciates you. I appreciate you. But if you want to keep seeing amazing content, you got to do two things. You got to follow me on Instagram at CVNK33. And as always, subscribe to the YouTube page, YouTube at CV Space K, where all podcasts are heard, Anchor, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, whatever and however your uh, podcast preference is, Apple Podcasts as well. <laughs> We're there. I have an amazing episode. He's been on the show before, but he just recently has come out with a book. Everybody, welcome Pastor Marcel Fears. Hey man, listen, thank you so much for having me, man. This is this is so exciting. You know, I love your show, right? So um, thank you, man. And shout out to your incredible audience, those that follow, and then all of those that's that's chiming in and supporting us, man. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, anytime. I feel like since I've, you know, kind of grew up at Redeem, you know, this is just coming full circle. So, like, I, I'm excited about this. Before we go into the book, I'm going to share with the audience. Uh, you guys have a trailer out for the book. I want them to get it. I want them to see the content. I want them to just see the amazing work that's being done. So, with that being said... Many of us deal with unexplainable hurt and pain, primarily because of situations we cannot control. We merely learn how to carry it with heavy hearts and battled minds. But forgiveness is the key. When we forgive, there's a supernatural release that frees our minds and sets our spirits free. Forgiveness is the green light to move forward in life and is the turning point to love again. Now that the healing process is in full motion, it's time to love again. 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 So that that was um Amazing. First of all, uh, why? You know, I always, I always get inside. You know, before we go and cover the the writings and the material that's covered in in the book itself, you know, what inspires an author to write? You know, like you know, I I I, I think about it, my own experience. You know, when I wrote my book, you know, when I wrote the first one, like 
I was in a completely different headspace. Some of the things that I, I wrote, it's not that I don't believe it anymore, but I just have a different view on it, right? And I feel like it's only as good as that time period, right? And then like now I'm struggling trying to put out the second piece because I think totally different and I'm afraid of what the audience might feel. And that's just an honest, transparent moment. So what what gave you the courage to write this and kind of step out on faith? Yeah, great question. I think um, first, I, I don't know if I would consider myself a prolific writer, if you will, um, more than a message giver. And so I think uh, I look at it from the standpoint of uh, putting the message that I that I believe that God wants me to convey to heart to the hearts of people uh, on paper, because it's something about having it on print that allow you to experience that healing and that um, that love over and over again, as opposed to just saying it one time. And so um, I just look at it from when I'm done giving the message that I believe I should be sharing, then that's the end of my writing. So I don't, I don't count pages. I don't count words. I share, I release it, and then I hope that it hits the heart. So that's, that's really how I, how I look at it. This particular work, this work is, um, it's something that is, is dear to me because it's a part of my ministry, believe it or not. Um, when I started, uh, I started as a youth pastor, as you know, uh, ministering and, and preaching. And I was blessed to be kind of a, a traveling minister. I went around and, and, and preached and things like that. And then seven years ago, when I started the church, I started noticing in that time span that God was allowing me to see um, not just the exterior of people in the pews, but he was allowing me to see the trouble in the heart of the people in the pews. And I realized that just like farming and seed sowing was the parable of Jesus's day, that relationships is the parable of our day. And so I started writing to help heal the hurt people couldn't see. Hmm, I love it. So this, because when I first we, you know, I first uh, learned about the book and I saw the, the title and I was like, is this a romance novel? You know, like <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know where you was going with this. I was like, some person was in love again. I'm like, uh, is this like a, a transparent moment you're trying to share with the world? You know, I was trying to figure it out. So you really, the, the book in and of itself really is the relationships that exist within the realm of faith, right? And all that goes into it, right? So talk to us. So principle one, and I want to get into this do not chase the counterfeit. What what does that mean? Like, you know, what what is it? Is it like, you know, or obviously we shouldn't go after things that are fake, but what, what does that really mean? Right? Yeah, I mean, I love it. So this this is the thing about this book. I think if I didn't have pastor attached to my name, it still will apply. Um, because it's something that we all deal with, it's matters of the heart. And I want people to view it from that aspect, and it's not just um, a writing about romantic relationships more than it is the relationships that closest to us. So that could be father and son, mother, daughter, f- best friend, co-worker, because those are the relationships that have the tendency to hurt us the most. As it relates to the first principle, and I, I do want to give this disclaimer, and I say this in the introduction of the book, that these principles, there are seven principles, they're not exhaustive principles on relationships as if they're, I'm ask, a- answering every question that exists, but I do believe they are inspired principles that is designed to start a conversation, to help heal and begin. And that's really what it's about. And the principle number one, don't don't chase the counterfeit, do not chase the counterfeit, is about that many times in our life, 
we long to fill the void of relationship and love in our heart. And we will go after a thing that we think fills the void when in fact it is not what's authentic, true, and promised from God for us. And if you pour all of your heart out chasing something that really doesn't fit you, it'll leave you broken and it'll leave you spent. And so that principle really talks about how sometimes you can chase what's wrong when God has something that's right for you. And that's what it's about. How do you distinguish between the two? I mean, uh, you know, there are some like my wife likes purses. Right. And my wife is very good at spotting a fake. Like, you know, if I'm a buyer purse, buy her the real thing. Like she'll get offended. You know, like if it's Michael Kors, it's got to be Michael Kors. It can't be you know, Michael Caines, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, my wife is like a stickler. Like, she'll look for, like, tags and, you know. How do you, how does, how do you as a human being, as a person of faith, understand that God doesn't want you to do this? That's a, that's a great example. Actually, I was in New York City, my wife and I, and we were um, uh, in New York City in, in, in Times Square, and um, I went past a couple of uh, people on the street that had some amazing, amazing things they were selling. And if you didn't have a really, really good eye, you would have thought <laughs> that it was the real thing, Louis Vuitton and Gucci. But um, yeah. I think the best way when you get things that close like that, when it could be a counterfeit, is to compare it to the source. And so when you when you compare it to the source, then you can find the detail that helps you distinguish between the real and the fake. I submit to everybody that the source is God because God is love. And when we look at his description on what love is and we look at um, what he says about it and we know what he says about it based on the print of his word and based on his relationship and how he treats you and I, then we can have a better picture and clarity of what love looks like. Then we put it against the faith. Just like, for example, if, if um, love um, scripture teaches us that it's patient, that is not puffed up, that is not full of itself. And so if you're in a situation where it looks like there's no patience, it's puffed up, it's full of itself, then you're making that comparison between what the source is and what you're in. And that's how you help determine the real from the fake. Some depends on how close the fake is. It can be difficult and it may take time, but it always pan out that the source will reveal to you what's true. Awesome. Awesome. I want to get to your, your second point. Let the healing begin. Principle number two, I, you know, I can only imagine how deep this can go because <laughs> you're talking about a broken person, a broken system. Um, I've had the pleasure to meet a lot of different people. Um, and sometimes when we discuss faith, it's never, you'd be surprised. I would say 90%, if not 95% of people don't have a problem with Jesus, not him and himself. The problem is with organized religion. The problem is with the bad actors that has occurred within uh, the Christian faith. The problem is the hurt that has been administered, right? That's what they have a problem with. That's what honestly stalls conversion, if we just be honest. How does one go about uh, that healing? Because the pain can run so deep, right? And how, how do you tackle it? Where does it start? Yeah, it's, it's almost as if you read the book. I mean, this this is this is this is the principles and the concept of, of the book, which tells me that these are things that are relatable to people on, on every level. And what I found out that when, in writing the book and then reading it several times in my review, 
that I was experiencing healing myself, just uncovering layers in my heart that uh, places that had me broken that I didn't realize needed to be healed. And and I write about in that principle, not to go too deep into that, but I write about in that principle because you mentioned it, that real healing occurs when we embrace that power and presence that's bigger than us, God, right? And that we expose ourselves and make ourselves most vulnerable in his presence. I use an analogy about my mom when we would get, you know, all of our parents at some point or another would do this, but I would get a cut at home, playing outside, roughing it, you know, and um, you go in the house and mom clean it up. She gets the wound all prepared and cleaned out and then she throws a bandaid over it. And then just like kids, three days later, you took a bath and, you, and you're going through and you're still keeping the Band-Aid on. And after a while, mama say, take the Band-Aid off because healing cannot really occur fully until you remove the bandage. And so uh, I relate that to this text. The healing has to begin because we have to expose the wounds um, that have left us scarred and hurt. And But it's important where you expose it. And that's what we talk about because God will not misuse you. He will not abuse you. He will not compromise your trust, which many people have. So, so how does a pastor heal? Um, you know, uh, I think there's one thing for the congregation, the congregant uh, themselves, uh, the parishioner to go through and place their trust in the leadership. Uh, but where do you go? Right. Like, you know, you talk about this healing, but, you know, who, who takes the Band-Aid off for you? Sometimes it's lonely, to be honest with you. So sometimes it's lonely because there's a, a mechanism in, in many leaders, myself included, sometimes that won't allow you to be um, exposed in weakness uh, because and it's and it's a it's not a it's not a fake thing. It's a reason why. And the reason why is because many times people you lead will pounce on weakness. So it's not it's not absurd to think many pastors are isolated because they don't want to expose weakness because people will take advantage because everybody in your flock or your congregation is not interested in helping you heal your wounds. As a matter of fact, when I grace the pulpit or get on the platform every Sunday at my local church, they don't want to hear my problems. They came to hear me preach to them about their problems. They don't want to hear that I almost lost my house one time. I was $10,000 behind. They don't want to hear that I had to cook, my wife had to cook on a hot stove um, plugged in to the electricity because the gas was cut off and not because it was a catastrophe. So they don't want to hear that. They want you to preach because they they have hurts, they have wounds. So I learned that the grace of the preacher, the grace of the pastor is that God teaches you lessons in your relationship. And what happens is when that pastor doesn't have an authentic relationship with God, then they don't have an outlet. Hmm. Therefore, then you see, uh, unfortunately, um, some have taken their own lives. Some have some have walked away because they don't have an outlet to the people. And then they haven't spent enough time because they relied on their gift that they haven't spent enough time in relationship. Because I found out in my life, I pour out my heart to God and then God strategically puts people in place that ministers directly to my heart at the right time. It can, and it don't have to be another pastor. It could be a brother in the church, a sister of the Lord. It can be on, on Cody's podcast and, and something may be said and it'll heal me 
because I poured out in that in my time of relationship with God. And so that, and, and that's what that's what the book is all about. It's it's uh, seven principles of love again is saying, hey, if I can if I can show you by proof, by precept and example that the vertical relationship is most critical to impact your horizontal relationship, then that's how we win. That's how we get healed. That makes sense. Let's yeah. skip around that's yeah. one of the things. You know, principle three, I think, you know, answers it for itself. It's self-explanatory. Sure. Love is the fuel for your faith. But what I'm really interested in is principle four. You talk about heart problems, heart fixes. Yeah. How transparent do you go into this chapter specifically? Well, well, yeah. listen, when I wrote the book, I'll tell you, I, when I when I first wrote the book and I sent it in to my publishing team and, and my editors, um, they sent me back an editorial review in, in the process and they sent it back and they said, this is amazing. They said this, 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 the, the scriptural base, the, 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 the way it's written is incredible, but it's missing one thing. And the editor said, it's missing your personal story. So I went back for three months. And I prayed and really introspectively looked at myself to add powerful stories to these principles that were personal. And so I think when you read that book, what you're going to find that I've had heart problems um, and then I had to get fixes on my own. And I learned that um, I was holding myself to the unfair expectations of people. And every time I failed those expectations, I beat myself down, which strained my relationship with others, how I carry myself and how I conduct myself. And one time I had a big blow up. I write about it in the book at church. And um, uh, I was disappointed more in myself. And what I learned from that is the problem wasn't with the people. The problem was with me. So we all have heart problems. But I also want everybody to know there are solutions. So did you... Let's talk about that big blow up. Did yeah. you change your expectations of people? So so this is something I've been noticing. Yeah. I don't have to change my love toward people, but yeah. I can change my expectation of somebody. Yeah. Right. And I don't know if it's a healthy strategy, but I've learned since I got into my 30s. If I start changing my expectations, I can love you <laughs> and keep going forward. <laughs> Yeah. How how do you pivot? I mean, because obviously that, that may be a more carnal, secular approach, right? It's not really Christ-like or biblically ordained, but it is a strategy. Um, how do you fix this? How do you take the situation with all of this dynamic appeal, understand it for it being what it is, and then move forward from it? Yeah, I mean, that's why I can't wait for y'all to read this chapter, but I... um for me, for me, it was about me changing my expectation of my of what I should be doing, because if if the persons around you control your narrative, then you become a slave to their story of you. And that that simply means, you know, just to just to break it down just a little bit further, that just means that my focus, I begin to mature my focus that that I had purposes and goals um, and things that I wanted to be in my life and the way I wanted to love that I was attaining to and that my race should be ran with that focus in mind and not with my eyes in somebody else's lane. Because if I had the right focus, 
that helped me. And I, I just began to mature to that place. It didn't happen overnight. I began to mature to the place where I was better positioned to help somebody else when I was focused. I was better positioned to love somebody else the, the correct way, if you will, um, the God kind of way, because I was secure in who God made me to be. I was okay with my plot in life. And a lot of times we become battle people, torn people, because either we're out of purpose or we're out of place or we're frustrated with the battle within our own psychological and our own spirits because um, we're not who, we're not feel like we're accomplished. But then that's when God helped me change my definition of success. And so and I had to change that definition. And that helped me also to relate to others because it, Sometimes you can you can define your success based on what what the world tells you what success is, if you will, if I can say that term. Right. right. Um, when success is really for me, my obedience to the call of purpose in my life. So it's not like how many numbers did you get, how many statistics did you get. It's not even how many books did you sell. It's did you do what was placed in you to do? Because doing your purpose that God gave you brings God the most glory and everybody, regardless of race, creed, color, religion has a purpose that here on earth and you get the most fulfillment by fulfilling that. And so it was all about my, my look at myself, my expectations that I had to realign my focus that better helped me handle whatever expectations others had um, um, and vice versa. I hope all that made sense too. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. We were yeah. talking about switching, uh, that focus and not equating it to a very um, secular understanding of success, a very sure. worldview, right? Sure. Um, how how do you recover? I, and, and, I, and I say this because we all want things. I don't think the, the believer and the non-believer are separate from this issue. Sure. Uh, we all want things. We all want accolades and, and progression and forward movement, and however that looks like, however it manifests itself. Um, but recovering from hard mistakes, right, I think is the biggest roadblock uh, to a lot of us because, and especially as you age, you're kind of trapped by your own thoughts and your own thinking and your own perceptions, right? However, that has been shaped, yeah. kind of navigates your course in life. And when you've been hurt by what you love and you've also done hurt yourself, yeah. now you have what is called a hard mistake, right? Yeah. So how, how do you recover from this, from this place of brokenness that you're able to have some sense of self-worth or, or self-identity, just self-period. It's, I mean, that is, 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 that's such a critical piece about this work and about our life in general, because I do want people to understand, and, and we talk about this, that it's not always recovery. It's not always a singular event, more than it is steps in the right direction. And I want to encourage those that are watching and those that may have had heart mistakes and that may have done things in their life that they weren't proud of or been in a situation in their life that may have compromised them on a heart level because we have made decisions with our heart and our, our head because the Bible says um, the heart who can know it. 
uh, uh, it can deceive you. And many times we make emotional decisions that we were triggered by uh, only without also including uh, our intellect to make decisions as, as well, which can lead to those hard mistakes. But I want to encourage somebody to know that your recovery process starts with your first step. And it's one step at a time. It may be identifying the source of the mistake or the problem. Yeah, and then a constant um, decision to make the right decision. And I talk about that when, when you read the book, I can't, when you guys read it, you'll read about, um, I write about James. Uh, James is the individual that I tell his story. He's a, he's a real person, um, but I use a, a pseudonym name uh, to, to, you know, just uh, to give uh, him a little protection. But it's an, a, a very powerful story because you're going to find out that what James was acting out in his, in his mistakes that he made his heart that he had to recover from, he had to travel all the way back to a place of abuse. And sometimes uh, it is those things that, that really impact us and infect us as well. And when you come become infected, that's carried out in your life because then you need healing. And now this book is not medicine. Medicine only helps you cope. This book is healing because healing makes you whole. I like that. This book is not medicine. This book is healing. Yeah. Talk to us about that surgery. So you talk about healing. You know, I've had um, I've had one too many surgeries. <laughs> uh, had a terrible back surgery wow. uh, about four years ago that changed my life and wow. made me. Yeah, the recovery was something else though. But uh, what it did is sparked a fire in me because I wanted to prove the doctor. I was like, "Oh, I'm never gonna do what you know." Like so, like that's one of the reasons why I work out the way I do. It's like it's a, it's a it's a constant reminder. Like you know, you can't tell me my limitations. What I have found out in life and in church and in faith, I guess as a whole, everybody struggles with loving themselves. Whether we admit it or not, uh, nobody is completely content with their lot in life, their situation, outlook, you know, personal attributes. There's always this dip that resurfaces and it resurfaces usually in times of lack is when you see it. Um, and with the, the current state of the climate, current conditions that we're dealing with in this global pandemic, You've probably seen more of it. What what do you say to those struggling uh, with accepting who they are, accepting it, and then taking this and giving it to God? What do you say to them? See, you you are literally hitting the nail on the head. To so all of our viewers that are watching this, you guys can ask your questions, chime in, talk about it, tell your short testimonies if you can, because because what you just said. And, and I don't want to just put us in a box of the church. It is widespread to the world. And you're right. Everybody has dealt with that aspect of learning how to love yourself. Because how you love yourself is how you will love everybody else. And the proper view of oneself translates into our behaviors, our actions, and our decisions. I talk about loving yourself because you said the word without knowing it because I didn't send you this part. But with loving yourself, the root of it is rejection. And all of us have experienced some form of rejection. 
Either the young lady didn't like you or the young man didn't want you. Either a father that didn't stay or a mother that walked away. We have all experienced some form of rejection. But what I write about, Cody, and you said this word, at the core of rejection is acceptance. If I'm accepted, then I'm not rejected. So what I want to get the reader to understand and the believers and those that are watching me right now, as you're hearing these words, that your rejection can be dismissed once I tell you and prove to you that you are already accepted by God before you got here. If I'm accepted by him first, there's no other event that can make me fall into a place of not loving myself because acceptance is at the core of rejection and you were accepted before you were ever born. Hmm. I love it. Well said. You were accepted before you were ever born. To all those out there, go get the book. <laughs> uh, begin the healing process. Uh, if anything, the world needs. Forget the church. Sometimes we like to limit it to things of religion and institutionalism. But the reality is everybody needs to find that divine truth, something so much bigger than who they are that can undergird them where they are in life and go forward. Um, buy the book. Pat Mears, where can they connect with you, man? What are you doing? Where can they go get the book? Where can they download it right now? <laughs> well, listen, first of all, I thank you so much, man. Oh, and I really appreciate this opportunity. It's, it's, it's just been incredible. You all give a virtual hand clap to my brother, Cody, man. I just love what he does. And uh, he knows I love his entire, I love all of your family. Even the ones I don't know. I just love the guy. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, obviously your grandfather yeah. made a significant impact on many people's lives. Uh, like, as it, we didn't care. We just, he's just everybody's granddad to me. That's just the way it is. Um, and we still, and he still is. Um, so thank you. But you can connect with us. Um, so many ways to connect with us. But you can go actually and uh, order this book right now. Uh, go to uh, exclusively to my website, marcelfears.org. You can order it there. Um, and then uh, very soon, uh, by the time probably you're watching this, it'll be available right now on Amazon. It'll be available on barnesandnoble.com. Uh, it'll also be av available at Zulon Press. It'll also be available via ebook on Apple iTunes. You can get it anywhere in the world. Um, it's available in paperback version as well as hardcover. And I promise you, I promise you, it is not a wasted word in this book. It is not a long work, but it's going to take you longer to read because it's going to make you think. It is a powerful work that I believe is going to cause healing to happen for a lot of people. And it starts right now. I'm encouraging you that's watching to invest in yourself, invest in your family. You don't have to be broken anymore because the healer is here. If words can make you fight, then words can heal you. And I believe that when you read the words in this book, when you consume it, when you digest it, when you think about it, it's going to cause healing to happen. So go right now to MarcelFears.org, order the book, go to Amazon, leave us a note. As a matter of fact, leave us a review on Amazon. Uh, go to Barnes and Nobles and uh, anywhere uh, electronically where you can find it digitally. Uh, uh, we'll be able to get the book in your hands. You cannot miss this moment of healing. I promise you. Is going to change your life. 
You heard it said, go get the book right now. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Audible, MarcelFears.org, all the places. Support gets supported. I've always said that. Support gets supported. The book yeah. is going to be life-changing. I appreciate my guests so Thank much. That's Marcel Fears. Thank you so much. And until next time, guys. Also, if you want to keep seeing Hobble's business part, amazing content, subscribe <laughs> to the YouTube page below on YouTube at CV Space K. I don't know how I almost missed that. But if you want to keep seeing amazing pastors like Pastor Marcel Fears, you want to keep seeing influencers, because I said this and I'll keep saying this, when they blow up and then you can't reach them once they get to a million Instagram followers, you have missed out. Get them now and you'll always have something to go to. But until next time, guys, I appreciate it so much. Thanks. Hey, what's up, everybody? You like what you saw? Were you entertained? Were you informed? You want to keep seeing amazing content? Subscribe at the link below. YouTube, CV Space K. You connect where all podcasts are streaming. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor. Connect with me. I want to connect with you. Let's enjoy the ride.